As we said, happy Thanksgiving to our American friends, and we are friends, right? We have this wonderful relationship between the U.S. and Canada. It's not perfect. Never is. No friendship is. You got your ups, you got your up, your downs. But, you know, we're, we've been fast friends for a long time, close allies, trading partners, longest undefended border on earth, all of that stuff. You know the routine. Um, that's not to say it's always been perfect, though, right? There's friction from time to time. Maybe right now things are a little more... Uh, friction-laden than they have been at other times. But, you know, Canada does need to be careful because I think, and we've talked about this before, especially when it comes to defense, uh, we're, we're in a privileged position, right? And I think we sometimes take that for granted. There is concern that we might be creating problems for ourselves with a new digital services tax. We're not the only people doing this, but um, it's causing some of that friction that I talked about. And Perrin Beatty and Steve Suarez recently penned an opinion piece in the Financial Post. Perrin Beatty is president and CEO of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. Steve Suarez is a partner at Borden Ladner Gervais LLP, and he's also the co-chair of the Chamber's Economics and Taxation Committee, and uh, he's found some time to join us this morning. Steve, thank you so much for being here today. I really do appreciate your time. Delighted to be here. Always happy to talk tax. Okay. Now, when we're talking about a digital services tax, first, I think I understand what it is, but uh, make it crystal clear for us. We proposed it in 2021, supposed to come into effect next year. What is it? What does it do? So it's a tax on certain kinds of revenues from providing certain kinds of digital services. Essentially, the best way to think of it is provide, it's, it's revenue from providing online marketplace and advertising services, from revenue from providing a social media platform, and revenue earned from the sale or licensing of data that's gathered from users of an on, online marketplace or a social media platform or an online search engine. So, so think in terms of practical implications. Yeah. Think of you know, U.S. tech giants like Meta, Walmart, Amazon. These are the kinds of companies that, practically speaking, are going to be impacted. Okay, so they would be subject to a new digital services tax if they operate in Canada. How much would it be? What are we talking about here? How big of a hit? So, it's, so the, the, DS, the, the, the proposed Canadian DST is a 3% tax on Canadian source revenue. So it's not a tax on income or profits the way that the tax you and I pay is. It's a tax okay. on revenue in excess of $20 million a year from, in effect, Canadian consumers of those of those services. Gotcha. Okay, now, the U.S. hates them, and for good reason, right? The companies that you mentioned, and some of them are monsters, Amazon, yep. Walmart, they're leaning on Washington and saying, fix this, right? They sure are, um, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, and, and, just, and just let me say at the outset, if I may, I, I personally don't act for any of these people, so I don't have a dog yep. in this yep. fight. Um, but it's important to understand where they're coming from. And, you know, the, the thing I want people to understand is, you know, no one's, no one's disputing that we have the right to impose this tax. The question is whether we should, whether it's in Canada's best interest. We can be as right as we want, mm -hmm. but if the other guy thinks that, you know, that we're not, um, you know, this is not a law school exam or a debating society or a PhD thesis. If the U.S. views this as an unfair tax, that it's really a tariff, directed at their big tech multinationals, they're going to act. So absolutely, you're right. Um, you know, the, these big U.S. companies, and that, that's predominantly who's affected, these big U.S. companies are going to Washington, and they're saying, look, this is not a, this is not a fair tax. Um, we don't like the fact that it's a tax on revenues, not profits. So you have to pay it even if you're not profitable. We don't like the fact that it's being retroactively applied back to 2022. We don't like the fact that it's effectively basically on U.S. tech companies, so it looks a lot like a tariff. And we don't like the fact that the tax that we'd have to pay in Canada 
will not be deductible against the U.S. corporate income tax that we have to pay to the U.S. So in effect, it causes double taxation because Canada's tax does not reduce any U.S. tax payable and vice versa. Gotcha. Okay, now I can see a couple of areas here. One, just because they don't like it doesn't necessarily mean that it shouldn't happen. Is there a legal reason? Can they stand up and say, you know, given the free trade agreements that we have, trade law, anything like that, can they say this is unfair? Is there a legal argument here, Steve? There is. I mean, I'm not a trade lawyer, so I'm not an expert in that particular area of the law. I'm a a tax guy, but the trade people I speak with say, um, that, that this kind of a, of, of, a, of a potentially discriminatory tax contravenes both Canada's obligations generally under the World Trade Organization and more importantly and more unique to Canada, we're a party to that U.S.-Mexico-Canada free yeah. trade agreement. So we've got an additional layer of obligations that potentially would be violated if we go ahead with what's potentially a discriminatory tax. And that's one point I'd make on this is to say, this is not a case where if the U.S. feels we're in violation of these obligations, they have to go to court or go to some tribunal before they retaliate. Uh-uh. They've got their retaliation lined up and ready to go. What would it be? I was going to ask, what do you think the retaliation from the Americans would be? Well, I mean, we don't know for sure, but we expect it would be targeted uh, and it would be it, it, it's meant to hurt. So it's probably going to be tariffs on particular goods. I can't tell you which those are, but they've had, you know, a year or two now to figure out which button they could push that would that would hurt the most. And because the U.S. is, as you've said, fending off DSTs from a bunch of countries, we only have about, the, the Parliamentary Budget Office has estimated about $7 billion of tax revenue at stake over five years. Okay. The U.S. has much more at stake than we do. They're going to go to the mat on this. Yeah. And next year is an election year. Two words you're going to hear a lot next year. America first. Yep. This is an issue that will generate bipartisan support in the U.S. So not much does these days, but beating up on Canada over what they perceive to be an unfair tariff on their multinationals, they'll rally around that. And far surpassing whatever meager revenue, like you said, a few billion over five years, uh, the pain would be many times more than that we'd have to expect, right? That's certainly what I would expect. I mean, sort of fundamentally, I view this as kind of an own goal. We're going to trigger a trade war with our most important trading partner at a time when we can least afford it over a relatively small amount of money for us on an issue that matters much more to the U.S. than it does to us, potentially in violations of our obligations under the North America Free Trade Agreement and the WTO during a U.S. election year, and as an outlier country that, along with four other countries, including Russia and Belarus, refused to sign on to a DST moratorium earlier this year, that 138 other countries did. We are a massive outlier. Like you say, this it's almost global. I mean, like you say, it's not unanimous, but it's pretty damn close where you've got this moratorium. Would that, I mean, that would allow the Canadian government to, I guess, save face in a sense and say, we're not abandoning it, we're not backing down, but we will we will pause. We will work with the United States. We will adopt the moratorium. I mean, that might be a better strategy here, right? Totally agree. I mean, it's time for us to not be an outlier. I get the U.S., what, what, the number of countries that are imposing DSTs are saying, you know what, the existing rule that only allows us to tax non-residents from carrying on business in our country if they have a physical presence here, that's not working for us. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any tax revenue. So right now there's, a, there's a, an OECD-brokered um, global agreement in place or, or underway 
to try and reallocate taxing rights to countries like Canada that say, you know what, if, if, if you're doing business with our consumers, but you don't have a physical presence here, we'd like some of that tax revenue, which we can't currently get under existing tax laws. So there's a deal in the works to try and address this issue. But the DST is sort of a, sort of a unilateral, you know, go at our own approach to doing it is going to blow that up. And we need to push, push the pause button on that and give the global deal, which Canada says it supports, a chance to get done. That's all the U.S. is asking for here. The U.S. ambassador said a week or two ago, give us a year or two yeah, to get right. this global deal to reallocate tax revenues done. Makes sense. And uh, and like you say, the upside uh, seems to far outweigh the potential risk that we're running by not just saying, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll work with you on this. But I, I guess we'll see where it goes. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here.